Good morning again. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10? And we'll be reading verses 35 through 39. And when you're there, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? The author of Hebrew writes, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. You may be seated. Well, good morning and happy nine-year anniversary to you guys. Um, If you are newer to Reliance, um, yeah, nine years ago, we looked a lot different. Um, We met in a coffee shop and people would come and visit our service thinking the coffee shop was open and they saw a young man preaching and awkwardly would wait at the counter for somebody to receive them and make coffee for them and they would never get someone to come and make coffee for them until I would say, ma'am, sorry, they're closed. You just, you can stay and enjoy the rest of the service you'd like and like, oh no, and they'd walk right get back out. Good strategy to, uh, to reach people. Um, bait and switch with coffee is what we did. Um, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why I like this weekend. Uh, I recognize, even we recognize even as a nation, like there are some things so significant in life, whether good or bad, are worthy to remember. Uh, I just asked the worship team, um, 9-11, like I know where I was. Most of you know where you were. Um, my children don't remember because they didn't exist yet. And some of you didn't even exist then. And so as a nation, we remember these things and remember them because we cherish when there was a world that had a little bit more peace. Um, As a church, we recognize that our existence as a people, and I say it that way, not as a building, but as a people, is the very grace of God given to us. Because nine years ago, nine plus one week, this didn't exist. But by the grace of God, he started something. And over these years, I've enjoyed several of our services. I love Christmas Eve service with you guys. I enjoy probably one of my favorites is what we call the Tenebrae service, our Good Friday service. I enjoy, of course... Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday with you. And I enjoy this weekend. Because I am reminded of the kindness of God and God's generous generosity towards us. And I think it's helpful for us just to be encouraged. And so you notice that we're not in Genesis today. Not that Genesis isn't encouraging, although it has had its moments. But I do think it is helpful 
uh, to be reminded of some things. The blessing of a local church and its impact on one's soul should never be taken for granted. When Peter declared, when asked, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And it was on that foundation and that declaration, Jesus responded, upon this rock, I will build the church. I will build, no, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And so when I drive throughout Tri-Cities and I see buildings where gatherings will take place to worship Jesus Christ, I see physically the fulfilled promise of Christ Jesus being displayed upon the earth. And when I see now and nine years later a people that gather within a building, I am reminded that Christ promises that he would build his church physically being put on display is a reminder of God's hand amidst us. That's why we love church planning, for we want to see God's hand even more so. But we're not a naive people. We know, even in our current setting, That because Christ is the one who builds the church, he is also the one who closes some churches. He even said this early on as the gospel was going forth into the world. He turned in Revelation and he looked at the church in Ephesus and he said in Revelation 2 verse 5, Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Or else, I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. The one who builds the church has authority over his church. So it's a great thing for a church, whether it's nine years or 90 years, to celebrate that they exist. Because he who keeps it going is the, is the hand who enables it. We're not a naive people. So as to assume that we somehow have done this. Or we ought not be. In fact, what I want to encourage us with this morning. Is even Christ turned to the church of Ephesus. Keep on doing that which you first did is a theme that continually gets pressed within the early epistles. This fear that when one one starts, that because of the effort that began in the beginning, there's this moment of wanting to meander, relax. In fact, in the letter which we read this morning in Hebrews, there's this consistent theme throughout the whole letter, keep going. Don't become idle. Hebrews 2, 1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. There's this focus that which the writer gives to the readers, not just an individual, but a church 
stay the course. In fact, he has to emphasize this continually and heavy-handedly. Even in chapter 10, he has to remind them why their fellowship is so significant. For I know as a church grows, there's this hesitance to be thinking, I'm not needed there today. It's interesting when you start off at a church plant, the numbers are little. Now remember, when the numbers are little, everybody has to show up because if everybody doesn't show up, it's just me and Adam. And the value of having the, the strong bond of fellowship and commitment for the sake of starting something has this built-in accountability. As the faith grew on, even in the early church, and the size took place, there was this idleness that would creep in to the practice of Christian walk. Hebrews 10, verse 23, hold fast. Just because it's going well, or just don't give up, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Press on. For he who promised is faithful. And so let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the reading today in Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Whether it be Revelation, whether it be Hebrews, there's this consistent theme within the Scriptures. Even you'll find it in the Gospel. He who endures to the end will be saved. There's this expectation that which you started in, continue. So I want to just encourage us to continue. And I want to go through Hebrews 11 with you. And as I go through it with you, I hope that we encourage one another. There will be a day, I fear, that there might be, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I remember growing up, I didn't finish my sentence, but hold on. We're just growing up at Foothills Community Church, and they celebrated their 75th anniversary. And now their 100th anniversary. One day a church closes, and I don't know, nothing is promised to Reliance that we will exist forever. In fact, I have to remind myself there will be one day in which I stand behind this for the last time. Not so as to make more than the opportunity that's before me, but to be be faithful to the moment that God allows. That I would like to see us to be a people that continues to keep what, that which we started with at the forefront. And so in the reading this morning when he read. Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. He says you're going to have a need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. We agree that we are saved by faith, but there is a faith which has a fruit. And the fruit of that faith is endurance. 
And the promise for those who endure in Christ receive the promise. For yet in a very little while, verse 37, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteousness will shall be by, live by faith. And if he shrinks back, this church of Ephesus, if you shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. What a wonderful reminder for our church. For a people of God that gather that we don't get to define what we do. Rather, it has been given to us the will of God clearly and plainly to not shrink back from it. Verse 39, just as you get this hand of uh, conviction, he quickly then enters with this assurance. We are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And as he writes these things, it is his intention not to leave them guessing what it looks like to finish well. Hebrews 11 is given to the church as a reminder of how to continue in faith. And I want to walk it with you through it together. The author could have left his intentions finished at verse 39, but he will labor on throughout all of chapter 11 to give example after example of those who held faith to its end, receiving its reward. Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance. What is the assurance? Of the things hoped for. The conviction, conviction of the things not seen. The gospel has a promise. And the promise that has been given to us is of great reward. Don't forget this. And the reason why you keep your eyes fixated on the reward of Christ, it enables you to fight against meandering idleness in one's life. As an individual and as a people together. And so he lists before us Example after example of those who walked by this standard. Consider Abel. Look with me in Hebrews 11.4. Knowing that there was a great reward, those who lived by faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. And God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. We remember we've gone through Genesis already. Cain brought an offering, simply brought something to God. Abel, on the other hand, he brought the best, the firstlings of his flocks, the fat portions of his flocks and as a result of that act of worship and dependence upon God who provides for his needs God was pleased with him a man gives God his best because he knows that God is faithful to the promises that he gives him and it was Abel knew that what he had goats was not as significant as the promises that which God has given him And so when God says, give me the goats, he gave the best. 
and he gave the firstling. Cain, hearing the promises of God, gave something significantly less in offering and dishonored, not in faith, the promise which God has given him. And God testified concerning Abel's gift rather than Cain. And that even though when Cain killed Abel, still to this very day, I mean, Genesis is a long ways away from us. Still to this very day, the act of Abel's faith is being declared throughout the rest of the world. God's promises are way superior than what you can find in the world. And here's a man who died resting in that promise, giving God the best of all he had. Consider Enoch. Enoch's a fun story, especially for a child. Because by faith, in verse 5, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. What a privilege. As we walk through Genesis, every person that when we read the genealogy, so and so lived and then he died. But Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Enoch understood that the promises of God were best lived out by trusting himself to him. And God rewarded him for that faith in the manner in which he walked. The author of Hebrews, as he goes through the list from time to time, will remind the writer or the reader of the expectation that is out for us. In verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. This is a great start. To please God, you must first know who he is and believe in who he is. But Cain, did he not believe in God? Yes. But the faith in which he demonstrated wasn't faith. And not giving the best, he rather did not respond in the sense that God is a reward of those who seek him. There are perceptions of God in that there are those who make him the oppressor or someone that is cruel. But what God has shown to us throughout all time is that he is gracious, even towards sinners. And that those who seek him in faith will be rewarded. So where he started, you continue. Noah. Consider Noah. This is a fun one. By faith, Noah being warned by God about these things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Yeah, you could have done a history of the, the reigns within that area for the last previous years, a hundred years of Noah's life. And never had shown one incidence where there could be a flood of coming. But Noah entrusted himself to the voice of God to build an ark. Here's the, here's the trick, reverently. A parent may tell his child to go weed the garden. And a child may go do it, grumbling, complaining. So as to be obedient, but not 
and reverence. Those are the people of God who have an idea of God that He is faithful to His promises and His promises are greater than you can find anywhere on the earth. And then His voice is worthy to be followed. Do it reverently. Imagine Noah, 120 years. What are you doing, Noah? I'm building an ark. Why? It's going to flood. No, it's never flooded. Well, just wait 120 years. And to do that day after day after day, the reason why Noah was able to save his family is because he continued for that period of time, never wavering, fixated on what he was told to be obedient to. And the reward of that obedience was the salvation of his family. Mind you, the rest of the world who do not consider the Lord reverently perished. Reliance, how will we continue? Right? The question is, for us is, like no one knows what he's supposed to do. Right? Build an ark. That's super helpful. And when it's very specific, I find it interesting that often at times we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. It is quite clear what the church is to be doing. Go. Go forth into the world preaching and declaring the Lord Jesus Christ. Love one another as an expression of His love for everyone. Matthew 28, all the epistles stress the love of which you endured in Christ shall be given to one another in Christ. The, the local church becomes the example of that love. And as an example of that love, what are we supposed to do? Go out into the world declaring the goodness of God to one another. We don't get to determine what we get to do. Noah, build an ark. The church knows what it's supposed to do. And as a result of his faith, salvation. He received the reward of his faithfulness. Consider Abraham and Sarah. We've walked through this series of events in Abraham and Genesis for the last several weeks. I think it's fitting to remember here. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called, obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I think it would have probably been difficult when Abraham took Sarah and Abraham asked to go to Sarah's father and say, I'm taking your daughter. Where? I don't know. Why are you going? God told me. It's odd. The people of God rest in the voice of God, willing to let the promises of God be determined by Him. But being ones who live faithfully, dependence upon Him. Like when we, we found ourselves even considering planning a church in Tri-Cities when we moved here, there was a lot that we didn't know. We know we can't worship in a coffee shop for very long. And yet all along the way, God provided. I mean, the reason why we feel so grateful for even this space is that this is a storefront mall built and then kept empty for 10 years. So that we 
feel privileged that we could even afford a vacant facility that was pretty much worthless to the city. And we would, we would be confident to say that the church is way more valuable than selling food or clothes. And so we're grateful for this space. We had no idea, like Abraham, what God was about to do. Look at verse 9. So by faith he lived. And he lived as an alien in a land of promise. Each of you know what it's like to be going to the school for the first day as a new student. Or to be the new employee within the workplace. It's awkward. Relationships don't exist. But to move to a whole nation, to a people that are not like you, that's a whole other game. Did it willingly. And in, in that, he lived as an alien in the promised land, as, a foreign, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And he had been promised. He had been promised something, and he was willing to live in a tent For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He recognized that his inability by his own hands to build that which he hoped for rested it in God himself. And so willing to live, not in houses, but in tents, he waited, going to the place he didn't know. Look at verse 11. If you remember with me, like going through Genesis, Sarah has not often been put in the positive, right? She tends to be the one, Abraham, sleep with my maidservant, um, didn't go very well. And then she's the individual that sends her maidservant out, and Ishmael out because of her frustration that someone could get pregnant and she couldn't. But the way that the author of Hebrews even describes her by faith, even Sarah made the list, right? We all acknowledge that a lot of us might have this willingness to trust in the Lord, but even here, Sarah, she trusted. Even Sarah herself, she didn't give up, received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life. So when Isaac was born, she laughed and named him Isaac, which means laughter. Even her, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Yeah. What is faith? Faith is entrusting yourself to the one who says he can do that which he promised. We believe that God so loved the world and has given us a promise in Christ Jesus. And that promise is, is that whoever dies in him shall receive resurrection. And our faith is this, that he is able to do that which he has promised. And we never waver from that conviction. Always wanting to proclaim that to one another in regular fellowship. Reminding us of these things. Even in the times of seasons when it's hard. In the time of rejoicing to be fixated on such things. To be faithful towards those aims. Verse 12. Therefore, there was born even one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, innumerable as the sand which is 
by the seashore. What a privilege for the Jewish community that read the book of Hebrews. Like, you exist because God promised it. And it happened because those who entrusted in themselves, you are now the reward of his promises. So we could consider Abel, we could consider Enoch, we could consider Noah, we could consider Abraham and Sarah, but we could also consider even the hour of testing Abraham's faith. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promise was offered up his only begotten son. God promised him this. It was he to him to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendant shall be called. When Abraham was told, Go offer up and sacrifice your son Isaac, did the faith of Abraham waver? No. He entrusted himself to the promise that God had given him that this one was the one who would be the blessing to the rest of the world. So look at how the author of Hebrews thinks through Abraham's faith. And so by faith, he considered in verse 19 that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he is also to receive him back as a type. In other words, Abraham... Put to the dust, believed that if he killed him, God would raise him up. Because God has to be faithful to the promises that he has given to him in Isaac. And he never wavered from it. Consider Joseph. It's a wonderful passage. For, the, for we all know there is this temptation to become idle along the way. The author's intent and desires that we would recognize the great reward for us and recognize it's going to just take some endurance to remain faithful to the end. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Egypt was good to Joseph. He went from by his brothers, selling him off as a slave, but it was in Egypt. He had some ups and downs along the way, but at one point, he becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. It would have been tempting for Joseph to say, bury me here. But he knew that the promises which were given to the whole world, which would be a blessing, was not going to be found in Egypt, but in Israel. And so he said, don't bury me here. Bury me where the promises lie. Consider Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Love this insight. Because they saw him and he was a beautiful child. I have yet met a parent that does not think their child is beautiful. But Moses was beautiful. Than yours. I don't know. (laughs) Was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so by faith, as Moses grew, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Great privileges come by those whom we're connected to. And look at how Moses perceived the promises of God in light of the promises of Egypt. He rather chose, verse 25, to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, how was Egypt a sinful nation? 
They did not, while they believed in a God, they did not believe in God. They believed in gods. And yet, while they had become resourceful, Moses found it rather beneficial to be mistreated with the people of God, with the godless people. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And we can still struggle with that today. Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach or the shame of the Messiah to come, the promise, like the worst, the pennies of Christ, to be greater riches than the treasure of Egypt. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I remember when I was in high school, there was a, there was a high schooler had found that an elementary kid had found a $20 bill. And so he approached the elementary kid and said, hey, you have one bill. I have two bills. And of course, the two bills were $1 bills. And he exchanged the two $1 bills for the 20. That's wrong. <laughs> But when you know what the $20 bill is worth, you recognize immediately $1 bills don't compare. When you understand the promises of God and what it provides for all eternity, eternal life, whatever this world has to offer us, it's not even pennies in comparison. And often, they will try to tempt you with the pennies to meander in its godlessness pursuits. Moses is willing to exchange the pennies of Christ for the riches of Egypt, recognizing the pennies of Christ are of far more worth than what the world has to offer. Continue in what you first started. When you first heard the gospel, it was the greatest news you ever heard. Don't let its promises ever become less. Like it is my hope, like it's written in our building, reliance. And it is our desire that as we interact with one another over the period of time that God has allowed us, that our faith would grow, increase. To see the value of what has been given to us in Christ. And I recognize that over the season of life. That those things will be challenged. For there will be things which are around you. Which will look greater than what has been promised to you in Christ Jesus. It's a mirage. It is worth losing your job and keeping Christ. It is worth being single for a lifetime than having a spouse come along and taking you from Christ. Because what God has promised you in Christ is far superior than any relationship or bank account could give you. And Moses knew this. In verse 28, 
By faith, he kept the promise, the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood that he who destroyed the firstborn would not be touched or would not touch them. Verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land and the Egyptians, when they attempted, were drowned. What a wonderful season that would have been because They got to see God put power put on display in 10 plagues, no doubt. But walking through the Red Sea, waiting those 10 plagues, walking in faith out of Egypt into the desert, how is God going to preserve and take care of us? And to witness the hand of God fulfill his promises, delivering them through the Red Sea with a wall of water on one side, a wall of water on the other side, walking in the midst of it on dry land. The reward of their faith was fulfilled. Consider Jericho. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And after they had been encircled for seven days, interesting, like, Joseph, what do you want us to do? So we're going to take this city, right? Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to walk around it. He's going to walk around it? Yeah, we're going to do that for six days. We're going to switch it up on the seventh day, and we're going to walk around it seven times. And then we're going to yell. And as the days went by, and then when the final seventh day came, the people who walked by faith gave out a great cry and received the benefit of the reward. The walls came down. The reward was for those who walked around it, but the reward was also for those who were within it. Remember Rahab? Verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the harlot, praise God that God saves all, the worst of sinners. She did not perish along with those who were disobedient. And after she had welcomed the spies and beasts, she guarded, protected. She had heard of the God who delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And she, by faith, responded to that God and kept them in safety even to the point as she watched this nation time after time walk around this city. Remember what the spies told her? Just put the, the handkerchief or the, the scarf out the window. I'd be tempted. I'm going to leave. So she stayed in her house. And she reaped the benefit of her faith that she once started in. It's interesting when you get to this point in Hebrews chapter 11. In that he has provided us example after example. And he does what every preacher does. Is as, I have, what? look at verse 32. And then the wave comes. It's not like he has ran out of options. He just can't give as much detail to each. For time would fail me. Which will fail me. For a time would fail me, this is how it's always been. I would tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah and David, of Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms. God said, go do it. And in faith they did it. And they reaped the benefit of that reward of faith. They performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong. Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. 
All you got to do is read the Old Testament and you see the mighty hand reward those who operate by faith, providing victory. But it's not only that which he has provided victory over. We love the heroes, but what about the sufferers? The sufferers have also benefited from their faith. In verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not receiving their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. It's good to be Lazarus, right? He, he endured resurrection. But there's a better resurrection that Lazarus waited for. And these wanted that one, the promise of that eternal life. And still, verse 36, others experiencing mockings and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonments. They were stoned and they were sawn into, sawn into, They were tempted and they were put to death with the sword. They went about sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Man, you need faith when it's hard. You need faith when it's prosperous. It doesn't matter if you're winning or if you're losing. You stay in which that you first started. That's the point. Because life's like this. Verse 38, men whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains, caves, holes in the ground. The result, verse 39, is astounding. And all these things, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. We know in the ministry of presenting the gospel, living out the gospel, there are many who have died before us who have not received its promise yet. Whether it be Abel, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and this list of individuals before us, and even ones we know presently, they died with the promise yet fulfilled. And this is why we exist Reliances for verse 40. This is why I've labored with you through this whole thing. They died in faith, not receiving the promise because they looked ahead and said that saw the fulfillment of the promise and who was going to be there. Look at verse 40. Because God has provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Abraham, go to the land and live as an alien. You're going to die never receiving the fulfillment of that promises. But Abraham, going and living as an alien in a tent, saw a kingdom with people who yet were there. And was willing to die in that land as a foreigner and alien because he saw the promise of the people who would be there, which would be us. From the very beginning of time, the ministry of God has always been about people. People have died in faith, recognizing that the kingdom which is promised to them has people in it. Paul talks about the crowns and the jewels and the treasure that he has, and he alludes to it as being people. And he's willing to die so that the gospel will go forth. And man, if I die and more people receive the love of Christ, that's just adding to my reward. 
Because God is about saving people. That if there are more people there, so greater the promise of it. I want to see my neighbors in heaven for all eternity. I want to see you love the people that you work with, the children in your classroom, the people that you get to interact every day, whether it be at the coffee shop or whether it be the person that you get to walk by on the walk path. I want you to love them in such a way like these people did that you would serve them in such a way that the greatest news of the promise that they have for them is Jesus Christ and to enjoy, to see the future of all eternity with them. Not because I want it, because God has so loved this city to put such a people like you in its midst. Like the critique that which Jesus had for the church of Ephesus. Like he critiques them because they do not let heresy within the church. But he has this critique that you have forgotten your first love. It's this love for people. And it is tempting to come to a point in ministry where we forget what we're doing this for. It's for people. We're people. And it shapes the way that you parent your children, which are people, so that they get to know the love of God and to joy. You know this, parents. You want to enjoy all eternity with your children in the kingdom to come. And that's why you tell them about Jesus Christ. And that's why you are faithful to begin what you began in, to see it to its conclusion, to make much of Christ, and so that they can see it. Do it with your neighbors, too. And I'm preaching myself, too. This is why we church plant, right? Our convictional response. Because time eludes me, just as Hebrews had that same challenge. And Jesus came up and he spoke to his disciples. We don't have to guess what we have to do. All authority has given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Therefore, make disciples of the nations. What we encourage you with to go proclaim the gospel is been given to us by Jesus Christ himself, whom you love. And if that is true, the manner by which you express that love is by doing so to love one another. Carefully, creatively, respectfully. Go therefore, make the disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that I will all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away the confidence that you have, because there is a great reward. And part of that great reward is that you would get to enjoy it with everyone in the kingdom forever. You're going to need endurance because as you go to talk to them, they're going to think you're crazy. But you're going to need time and patience as you love and pray for them so that when you have done the will of God, where you have been placed, been faithful to its community, you may receive what has been promised. Nine years in, we're not done. Neither is the church on the other side of West Richland, neither the churches in Kennewick or Richland, we're not done because he hasn't come back yet. 
And we know, just as we started with, that he is able to take the lampstand away. And all I would ask and encourage us with is, remain in what we first started. The gospel is primary to our fellowship and to our proclamation. It's the way that we edify one another and love this city. I'll provide you with one more example. And it's Christ Jesus. Just listen. Verse 12, chapter 12. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and run. Run with endurance the race that is set out before us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He walked by faith, did he not? The cross is an incredible example of this. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He, he received the reward of that obedience of faith and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you yourself, reliance, will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray.